crazy part about that is that that's not what the scripture says. It just says he, if we take it literally at what the scripture is saying, it says it is finished. And then he drank wine. What's up everybody, this is Josh for Practical Theism. Hope everybody's doing well. Happy Good Friday. Today we are gonna go through two of the last sayings of Christ. These two fit pretty well together, the one after another, so I thought it'd be good to tie them all together and there's a lot of good insights that cross over between the two. So the first is from John 19, 28, and uh, it's what Jesus says, I thirst. So we're gonna go through the scripture here. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty or in some translations, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. So, Jesus, I thirst. This is one of the clearest declarations of his humanity. I mean, he's sitting up on the cross for an extended period of time. Naturally, his body's gonna be craving water. But as with all things in scripture, there's a couple different dimensions. So first of all, he was thirsty in his humanity, which identifies him with us. He's going through everything that we would go through naturally. Um, the second thing is we all thirst, right? We all thirst for something, you know, from a spiritual sense. We're thirsting for something in life. We're shooting for something. There's some goal, something that we need to achieve. We feel this innately in our soul and something we're looking for to satisfy. We're looking for something to fill that void and that thirst and quench that thirst. But the problem is we always go and look for it in the goods of this world. We look at the material world. We look at sex, wealth, pleasure, power, whatever it might be. And we try and take that and find as much of that as we can to fill this void, ultimately hoping it's gonna give us ultimate fulfillment and happiness, but it never does because all of creation is finite in nature. And this also harkens back to the woman at the well, if you recall in John 4. Jesus goes, talks to the Samaritan woman at the well, and uh, he says this to her. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Think of the temporal water. If you, th if you drink regular water in this world, like you're going to be thirsty, you need more of it. Um, but those who drink the water I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. So this is a clear allusion to obviously the gift that God gives us and the ultimate satisfaction we have when we're in Christ and in God. And we're looking up to him as the author of our salvation and uh, the creator of everything that's around us. We're focusing on the creator and not the creation. But Jesus also is fulfilling prophecies. He goes back, he's actually quoting a Psalm, Psalm 69, 21, and it says this, they also gave me gall for my meat and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Now, think about this, interesting note about this, because back to John, right after he says this, what do they give him? They give him sour wine. So look at the etymology of the word vinegar, actually. The word vinegar arrived in the Middle Ages from the old French, vinaigre, which means sour wine, which actually in turn derives from the Latin vinum, which is wine, and acer, which is sour, so sour wine. So they were giving him vinegar. So when the psalm, he talks about getting vinegar to drink, and in his prophecy fulfillment on the cross, he's given soured wine, which ultimately is vinegar. So point one, he's fulfilling the prophecy in that way. But it's also pointing us to his next word because of his statement that I thirst causes him to receive a drink of sour wine. And then he states this, he receives the wine and he says, starting in John 19, verse 30. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So let's unpack this. There's a lot to unpack here. What did he mean when he said it is finished? Now, many Christians, they believe it to mean that he accomplished the work of salvation and justification. Like you don't have to do any works of grace or follow the commandments to be justified. You just mentally assent and you're good. 
and uh, the work of salvation is finished. So I hear that a lot. A lot of Christians kind of point to that in different um, sects of Christianity. The crazy part about that is that that's not what the scripture says. It just says he, if we take it literally at what the scripture is saying, it says it is finished. And then he drank wine. Also, another point, it couldn't mean that his work was accomplished because he hadn't yet risen from the dead. If you look at Romans 4.25, it says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So justification couldn't have happened yet because he hadn't risen from the dead. So what work was finished? Now, I think in one aspect, there's a really deeper dimension here. So I want to take a deeper look. This all took place over Passover. Think about that. This all took place over Passover. Jesus was identified as the Lamb of God. You see where John the Baptist sees Jesus and exclaims, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It appears in John 1.36. Now everyone knew because of their association and proximity to the Passover in Jewish tradition, they knew that the Lamb was a sacrificial offering because they knew Exodus 12. They would have seen that and heard John proclaim that and heard Lamb and thought, Man, the lamb who is to be sacrificed. Now, this is where it gets really interesting, so pay attention here. In verse 21 in Exodus 12, it says, Then Moses sent for all the elders of Israel. He said to them, Go at once, choose the animals for your families. Each family must kill a Passover lamb. Jesus is the lamb of God. Do you see where the Jews might have gotten the idea that he was going to be sacrificed? I'll save you the lecture in Jewish Passover, but there were four cups of wine that were drunk. Recall Jesus in the Last Supper the night before in the upper room. The fourth cup was actually never drunk, so the Passover was technically not complete. Enter Jesus drinking the soured wine on the hyssop branch, therefore completing the Passover Seder that he started the night prior, and thereby superseding it with the Passover of the new covenant in his blood. Lastly, and this is one of the bonus points, listen to this as Exodus carries on. At the cross, what did they lift up to give Christ the wine? A hyssop branch. Exodus 12, 22 carries on and says this. Get a branch of a hyssop plant, dip it into the blood in the bowl, put some of the blood on the top and both sides of the door frame. None of you can go out of the door of your house until morning. The Lord will go through the land and strike down the Egyptians. He'll see the blood on the top and sides of the door frame. He will pass over that house. He won't let the destroying angel enter your homes and strike you down. The blood of the lamb saves the Israelites from temporal death. The blood of the true lamb saves believers from eternal death. Holy typology, Batman. Pretty nuts, right? So just a quick recap, Jesus is thirsty, I thirst. It sets a whole in motion of fulfilling a prophecy. The first thing is that he quotes the psalmist in Psalm 69, saying that in his thirst, they gave him vinegar to drink. What did that prompt the soldier to do? Picked up a hyssop branch, which is a typology from the Old Testament Passover that was used to draw the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. So that way the angel of death did not enter into the Israelite's house. That hyssop branch dipped in soured wine given to Christ. Christ drinks it and therefore closes out the Passover Seder that he started and elevated the night before. And then he passes into death. And this death is the culmination of Jesus's ministry. And we'll find out more about his last word 
when we talk about that tomorrow. This is the point where the whole of salvation gets started and the climax happens on Easter Sunday with the resurrection of Christ. So there you have it. There's a lot more meat that we could dive into and there's so many different points we could dive into when it comes to dissecting these passages. But I hope this gives you a great oversight to think with and ponder in your heart today as you celebrate this Good Friday. It's kind of odd, Good Friday. We call it Good Friday, but it's one of the darkest days in human existence. But it is good because it started something amazing into motion. Drop some comments below. Drop some questions below. I hope this is helpful. Definitely hit that like button. Pound that subscribe button like you mean it so you can get more of this awesome content. Have a blessed good Friday, guys. We'll talk soon.